And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing today? Doing well. I don't know why. You always ask me this question and today I came in with a blank. So I'm just doing well. What's up with you? <laughs> uh, nothing much. Just uh, a little bit of car trouble earlier today. Uh, I had to get. I have to get some stuff replaced. I'll be able to do that tomorrow. Uh, but other than that, oh, we went to really... Disney yesterday. Yes, we did. I was yeah. about to mention that. <laughs> and yeah, and you guys, you and your sister, got to ride the new Guardians of the Galaxy ride for the first time. Twice. And time. <laughs> yeah, we rode it twice. Uh, can't thank you enough for taking it. Take. Oh my god, I'm tongue tied already. Taking us along, it was so much fun. I highly recommend whoever's listening. If you end up at Epcot in Orlando, ride the ride. It's amazing. Uh, definitely not what I was expecting. And I love the music aspect. It's just, you know, really cool. Just a cool ride. My yeah. sister, <laughs> funny story. My sister was saying, oh, I don't really think that this, this needs all of this plot. Like, I don't need all of this explanation and exposition for me. Just get me on the ride. Because there's like a couple of pre-shows. <laughs> and this little Asian kid that was standing in front of her turned around and said, what What did he say? What did he say? He said, oh, actually, it's very important to the ride because <laughs> it, the story is part of the ride. Like this little kid, he just like turned around, <laughs> just completely owning to a stranger there. adult standing behind him at Disney. Yeah. Oh, just my had God. to interject himself to let her know. Yeah. How important the pre-show was <laughs> to the story. Uh, look, I get it. Nowadays, when they make these rides, they make like these pre-show things and everything. Mm-hmm. So I get it. Um, is it necessary? No, of course not. None of it's necessary. But with that said, though, like it's still a fun little aspect to it. You yeah, know? it's Just, another room for you to stand in with like a right. other people. Because if, if not, <laughs> it would just be more line. You know, it would just be more line in right. a zigzag of another room and another room and another room. Mm-hmm. At least here, there's a somewhat distracting element to it. So that way it kind of feels like you're progressing towards the ride, you know, versus I guess. standing in line. I guess. You know, again, not necessary. Sure. <laughs> of course it's not. Well, it was just a funny situation. I mean, I don't think that's ever happened to us where we're just commenting among ourselves and some random person interjects let alone a child (laughs) a child especially no i i don't remember that happening ever uh but yeah it's it's really fun uh big thing that they did at epcot a whole new property there a new franchise to tackle uh speaking of franchises to tackle yeah we're doing today uh we're not doing a movie review but we are going to talk about one of the most famous franchises in the world, uh, in the history of cinema, I would say, just based on the number of movies that have come out mm-hmm. and yet another one will be coming out next week. So we kind of wanted to look back at the entire franchise. And so we're talking about the Jurassic Park slash world franchise. I don't know how to label I guess it. Jurassic franchise. The Jurassic franchise. That makes more sense. So we kind of wanted to like, Take a step back and look at the franchise as a whole and, you know, the the highs and the lows of it, because I think (laughs) that you and I can agree that there's obviously some really high highs 
but some, you know, some valleys there. And so I just <laughs> wanted to take a look and kind of gauge of our perspective of how we view those movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we talk about the older movies, I kind of want to get your sense as to how you feel about this new one coming, which is Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, supposedly the end in the saga. That's it's, what they're okay, saying. so I I would say that I'm mildly excited only because they're bringing back the original trio, which is Ian Malcolm, Ellie Sadler, and Alan Grant. And those three characters, I feel like, are the best characters they have created to lead these movies, and especially the very first movie, Jurassic Park. And that's the only sense of excitement for me. That's the only aspect of Jurassic World Dominion that I'm looking forward to seeing because, honestly, we'll get to it. But Fallen Kingdom was a train wreck to me. And I just don't want to see them like continue down this awful path where they've taken the plot. And I think just the dinosaurs deserve better. So um, (laughs) that's where we're at. That's where I'm Uh, at. I would say that you can split the franchise right down the middle with this next movie because we're going to be coming into the sixth movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and you could split it right down the middle with the first half being the Jurassic Park trilogy and now the Jurassic World trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, still same story interwoven into, into both, but there's a clear sense of like a divide of like what these movies are and how, the, how they've become what they are as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the first half, you know, it starts with one of the greatest movies of all time. In one of the visually spectacular things we still see today, the way you can compare yeah. Jurassic Park to movies of today and still it holds up mm-hmm. like movies from 1993 should not hold up, but it does. <laughs> and how that there was nothing that could really reach that high in the trilogy, mm. you know, and then when you come over to the Jurassic World side. You, you kind of had the same problem to a, you know, at a lower level because I think Jurassic World has its fun moments. I think it's a good start to a trilogy, but then again, it it down on a dip with the second movie. We haven't seen the third, so we don't know. But I mean, could it really be worse than what we saw in Fallen <laughs> Kingdom? I don't know. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Yeah, we will. So I think that for me, I am excited for the original cast being blended in with the new cast uh one thing i will say is that chris pratt they have done him no favors uh being the leading man in this franchise and the reason why i say that is because they have stripped him away of everything that makes him chris chris pratt um they have made him like the straight narrow action hero leading man and that's not really his strength i mean there is some chris pratt isms in the character but I mean, I guess I the most recent thing that I've seen Chris Pratt as this character in is the Velocicoaster ride where he's in the mm-hmm. queue and stuff and he's like at voiceover work happening. Yeah. And it no, is he's like, on camera too. And he obviously he's on camera. So I just think that I don't know. It is kind of like tongue in cheek, like, you know, turn back now. Obviously you're not gonna turn back, but No, of course not. <laughs> he's trying to I don't know. It, no, it's but a that's, weird 
that's what the rides though. But I'm I do I know. in the movies. In the movies, he's like trying to. Well, I guess we should get into it. But yeah, in my opinion, he's trying hero. to be a little bit of like an Ian Malcolm character, where he is the voice of reason. Okay, yeah, I, I can see that. Not like Ian Malcolm, the persona. Right. I honestly just feel but like more, he's the mouthpiece of like reason. Right. And that's pretty much it. Like that's. Yeah. And then he's like got the Tom Cruise action hero happening. Right. On the side. So. Motorcycles me, and everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, the, I guess the aspect that I'm kind of like very intrigued about is um, besides the cast coming back is the fact that like dinosaurs are actually living among people. Like, for, it looks like it's going to be the majority of the runtime of the movie. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, we've we've seen another movie in this franchise, Lost World, that had T-Rexes, like, in, in a downtown street. I believe it was L.A. or something. Am I San wrong Diego. San Diego. I knew it was a California city. But, you know, now, like, a fully realized world of, like, humans, animals, dinosaurs, actually all commingling. Like I'm interested in seeing how that works, and like, I am what, not. What but is the bad we can that's going to come from that? About it. <laughs> so, um, I guess the best and only place to really start is how this franchise got its beginning. Yeah, Jessica, I'm going to let you take over because I know you are a giant oh Jurassic Park fan. You are. Uh, I'm like, such a. Huge I love Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park but fan. you're you're a much bigger fan than I. Am. I am like a diehard Jurassic Park fan. I love this movie. Came out in 1993, obviously directed by one of the greatest directors of all time, Steven Spielberg. He loved dinosaurs. And when he heard that Michael Crichton was doing a novel about dinosaurs and cloning, he was like, I'm in. Give me the rights. It happened. All this history was made. I mean, we could sit here and detail every fun fact about the movie, but we're not going to. But... I honestly feel like even with some of the nitpicky um, errors that are in the movie that you can be like, oh, there's like a raptor handler's hand like studying the raptor puppet. Oh, there's like, what is this logistics happening in the T-Rex paddock? Like you could list all of these different weird aspects of the movie that can derail the suspension of disbelief. But I feel like the movie is still perfect, despite all of these things. I love it to death. <laughs> yeah, I. what you're saying, like, I believe that if a movie is super entertaining and, and really good and everything, like, you can ignore. You're going to forgive a lot. Forgive and ignore, like, errors that you, oh, well, this doesn't make sense. No, it's, it's a fun ride. This is an amazing right. movie to check out and to just live in. Because what I love about the movie Jurassic Park from 1993 directed by Steven Spielberg is that it it has its moments where it slows down the pace a little Mm -hmm. bit to kind of let you catch your breath it lets you learn a little bit about what they're trying to do not only in the movie like what they are trying to accomplish but also lets you understand the characters themselves like Alan uh Ellie Ian like where they're coming from of course um why am I blanking on his name? The rich benefactor. Why oh, am I... John Hammond. John Hammond. Um, you know, we're understanding them at, you know, at an actual level of like why they're doing the things they're doing. And then, boom, dinosaur. You know, like it's it's such a fun roller coaster of a movie because it, to me, it's it, so it, good. It is very good. It fits a lot of different genres 
and um, I think it's smart about it too because you could say oh it's just like a scary movie oh it's a scary thriller uh, dinosaur movie oh it's also science fiction oh it's also a character study on like <laughs> you name a character it's all in there and it's also feminist it's also I mean the relationship between adults and children and like all of these things are wrapped up into this story environmentalism and mm-hmm. ethics of of do of science and, and the responsibility of of invention and and all of that i love it i think and that um sorry go ahead go ahead no, i was gonna say like this movie had such a huge influence not in not only in hollywood and movie making but also just in pop culture just in general mm. because dinosaurs became such a prevalent thing in pop culture that and this is a fun fact for those people who know about basketball there is a team in toronto they are called the toronto raptors when they were being formed in that time frame of 1993-1994 it was up to the fans to decide what to name them and they gave them a couple of options and raptors became the increasingly like majority leader in the vote because Mm -hmm. of the fact that rap like dinosaurs were the big thing and they presented that name because it was such a big popular thing at the time so now we have a team that makes no sense the toronto raptors but (laughs) uh that's how big of an influence that it it influenced stuff outside of movie making and outside Mm -hmm. of it -hmm. it affected sports you know that's how big it became yeah just wanted to mention the influence that it had i will say that i grew up I mean, it came out in 1993. I was born in 91. So I did not get to see this movie in theaters. I remember my parents bringing home a VHS tape of it. Mm. And my dad wanted to test a new TV that he got. And it was one of those giant ones that looked like, I mean, it looked like a cereal box, but like giant. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking you about. You know exactly what, you know exactly what kind of TV. Oh, yeah. Awful quality of the screen and but at the time but at oh. the time oh my gosh nothing better baller so he tested it out with jurassic park on vhs and he fast forwarded which at that point you didn't just go to like mm. scene selection or nothing nope. he literally had to fast forward to the part where the t-rex breaks out and he like put the volume on full blast and i vividly remember being scared shitless and like running across the house and into the furthest place i could go locking the bathroom door and just like being terrified of that moment <laughs> of the yeah. t-rex breaking out and like the roar from it like shook my body so i was a child <laughs> funny fact fun fact about me is i told my grandmother about the experience and she was like I'm going to throw away the movie. So she did. She, oh. threw, she threw out the VHS oh, no. of Jurassic oh, that's Park. Complete opposite thing of what should yes. have happened there. So fast forward a few years. We now have this thing called a DVD. And my parents get the trilogy on DVD. and Or maybe not even. I don't think the trilogy was even out. Maybe. Uh, it it could have been. Could've it could have been. Like been. Right I think after. it was right after the third movie. They released like a trilogy DVD set and my parents got it. And I remember just watching the movie by myself, like for the first time, like actually from beginning to end. No right. one's covering my eyes when Gennaro dies. No one's covering <laughs> my eyes like, you know, when Mr. Arnold's hand 
comes out and like surprises Ellie Sattler. No, I sat there and I watched the whole thing. I watched all the special features. I watched the commentary. Like I was obsessed with it. And it really, from the very beginning notes of like the male choir, like coming in yeah, and John Williams' score, like I'm riveted. Like to this day, it's the same reaction I had when I was like a preteen watching this. I don't have, I guess, not as memorable of an experience the first time I watched it. Mm. Um, I, I do know I was younger and I don't remember a theater experience, although I know that I went to see it in theaters, but I don't quite remember it. But I do remember seeing it on TV or mm-hmm. on a DVD as well. I, I didn't have it on VHS. I definitely had it on DVD, though. And I remember like turning up the volume when the T-Rex shows up just like and just <laughs> when that roar comes out is insane in my house like because at the time I lived in a house it was just two story but like the the living room was almost like cavernous because it, it like reached up to there the was acoustics. no yeah so the acoustics just bounced all over <laughs> that living room wall and to this day I'll never forget my dad coming out and just be like, turn that down. <laughs> just like he was so mad because it was so loud. Uh, but it, it was it, it's such a great experience. And I love coming back to the movie mm. because there's little things that you look forward to that are not the typical things like on first. Like, yeah, sure. Like you're I have like, things that I love that I, I don't think anybody ever talks about. <laughs> right. It, it's on those multiple rewatches where. You'll you'll pick up on a line that you really like, but it's not like a very famous line or something, but mm-hmm. you just really enjoy like the way it's said or something like that. Yeah. Uh, little things like that is. And our big thing was one of the things, one of the silver linings of the pandemic. Yeah. Was the fact that movie theaters were struggling so bad that they were like, we just got to watch. We just got to throw out any movie, old movies for people to watch. Mm hmm. And one of those was Jurassic Park. Yeah. Uh, And we saw Jurassic Park the way it was meant to be seen. Oh, my God. How did you feel when you saw it? Well, okay. So I know this movie backwards and forwards. I can quote it to you. But in the theater setting, I was blown away. And I did not feel. How do I put this? When the T-Rex breakout sequence started happening. Yeah. I was genuinely terrified. Like there was something palpable in the air when I was watching it in a theater that is somehow different from watching it at home. Mm. You know, just the, t- I yeah. mean, the sound, I mean, it, I felt it. I, 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 I was back as a little girl, you know, <laughs> feeling the roar in my body. And that's how I, I was like shook up <laughs> with that sequence. It really, it brought the fear out. The reverberation of the T-Rex sound and everything is, uh, did I watch it? Uh, no, I just watched it in, in a normal theater. Uh, I think I watched it at uh, Universal Studios. Like yeah. They have a movie theater there. Yeah. And I watched it there. And just the reverberation of the sound when the T-Rex roars. Um, just The fact that it's giant things. on screen. Oh, I know. Just... <laughs> Exactly. You're you're getting the full immersion of what Spielberg brought to theaters back, mm-hmm. you know, in 1993. Mm-hmm. So I really, really enjoyed 
watching it again. So I guess we can kind of mention maybe who doesn't know Jurassic Park. I mean, there's some people yeah. who don't. But uh, I guess we can mention a little bit of like our favorite. I have a from couple it. of early on in the movie. I have a couple of things that I love to talk about that no one has ever asked me. And I've actually never talked about it. So like, here we go. Go ahead. I love the intro sequence of the movie. Um, I can't get enough of it. It's a masterclass in world building and suspense and thriller setups. You see this army of guys looking super stern and nervous, and they have construction hard hats on, branded Jurassic Park. But then they pan up to Muldoon, and he looks like a crocodile Dundee Indiana Jones with a shotgun. Yeah. So now you feel you realize this crowd is armed. But what's moving in the brush? Because there's movement there. Is it an animal? A dinosaur? No, it's just a container. And it builds the suspense even more. So they're armed like this, and the animal is already contained. So you see this elaborate transfer happen. Loading team, step away. Gatekeeper. (laughs) And you get this horrendous noise from the raptor. And only close-ups of its eye, silhouettes against flashes of light. Spielberg is taking a page out of his own book, Delaying the reveal of the raptor, just like in Jaws, which Jaws, you know, we all know that the Jaws animatronic was a mess and they had to do that. But it's brilliant nonetheless. The whole fiasco unfolding, the raptor dragging the gatekeeper back into the container is the stuff of nightmares. And the editing is fantastic. Extreme close-ups of Muldoon's eyes and of the raptor's eyes. It leaves the impression That this isn't just some animal. It's got intelligence. It's Mm. thinking. It's on par with a human. And it's winning this battle (laughs) that's happening right now. (laughs) It is. So I love that intro sequence. Honestly, it's no one talks about that. (laughs) No, no, because that's how you hook a a person into a movie. Yeah. Right at the beginning. Like being able to establish this sense of intrigue of what is happening right now in this movie? Like, why yeah. are all these men who look like they're ready to be part of a militia? Like, yeah. Why are they so scared? Like, yeah, it, it's a great way to capture uh, people. For me, I think that I really enjoy when that sense of wonder that Spielberg imbues on his characters, you know, like that slack jawed, like mouth open, eyes wide type of thing. Mm. I love the moment where they're in the Jeep and Alan Grant just like stumbles up in the Jeep with trying to take off off the aviators. (laughs) And then Sadler is just, you know, like talking in the in the passenger seat. She's a Vera Foreman's been extinct. (laughs) And then how did they even get this? She's looking at a giant leaf. Yeah. And, and not then, seeing the dinosaur next no, to No, she's her. too busy reading, like, the pamphlet, you know? Well, it's and, a giant well, species yeah. of leaf, but anyway. Yeah. But then, like, the way he, like, like is reaching for her head to, like, turn, <laughs> turn it. Like, head, look, yeah. you're looking at the wrong thing. <laughs> I love it. I love right after that when uh, you have a T-Rex. We have a T-Rex. And then you see Grant well, starting it so to stumble. nonchalantly, right? Yeah. You know that yeah. the first animal that was in the container is not a T-Rex. You know that. Exactly. You know it's that. Not. It's not exactly. a T-Rex. So, so this is a reveal. Yeah. So this there's another reveal secondary people. reveal that comes later, which is the T-Rex reveal. 
And then an hour and 45 minutes into the movie, the raptor reveal. Right, exactly. Way so late. I love that it takes its time showing mm. us these things. Mm. It doesn't rush it. We don't need to see these animals right away. Build the suspense. Mm-hmm. We're here for the ride. So build the suspense. So that is something that I, that draws me in now every time I see it is that sense of wonder from the yeah, characters. Yeah, and I think that's largely missing mm. from the rest of the movies. Yeah. Is this childlike wonder. I can agree with that because it feels like it's commonplace mm. for these characters. Like, oh, it's a dinosaur. No, right. it's a dinosaur. Like, yeah. it should be, you know, crazy. It should be, <laughs> I can't believe this is happening type right. of thing. But, yeah, the, the the movies, as they go forward, do not treat it with that same sense of reverence. Wonder. Reverence, yes. It's not treated like that, which no, is a problem. Not. I have another moment that I feel like people never talk about is the introduction of Gennaro, which is just a character that appears in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And it's the lawyer character. The, the, his intro in the Dominican Republic, it establishes him as like this fish out of water lawyer because he's in the jungles of the Repu- of DR, awkwardly standing on a pallet float in a full suit. So there's something wrong about this picture. There's something wrong about him because he's a yuppie in a jungle at odds with nature. And I love how the foreman's Spanish here. He's speaking Spanish. And he says, bet, he's betting money, mil pesos, thousand bucks says he'll fall. And I remember previous versions of Jurassic Park having the subtitles so that you know what he says. Right. But now if you watch the movie on HBO, no subtitles for any of the Spanish here, oh. which I like even more because now it's like an Easter egg for Spanish speakers. So the chef's kiss moment is when Gennaro actually falls. He does slip and fall. And actually, there's no hoopla about it. No wink to the audience. It's just a, if you catch it, great. If not, we're moving on moment. And I love it. (laughs) That's pretty good. Uh, That's actually a, uh, that character alone, Gennaro, is just, he's, he's funny, not intentionally. Yeah. Like, he is not an intentionally funny person, but Everything that happens around him is just hilarious. Mm-hmm. Just him in the suit alone, that visual of him trying to <laughs> walk through the jungles in South America, in the Dominican Republic, in a suit. Like, it's just funny yeah. to me. Um, now, really quick, we mentioned everybody knows this. Well, I shouldn't say that <laughs> because uh, as as we're talking right now. Um, one of our friends, uh, Danny Romero, he's been on the show before. Uh, he sent a text in our, our group chat that uh, his wife had never seen any other Jurassic Park movies <gasps> except for Fallen Kingdom. Oh, no. Oh, so no. they're watching them now. Uh, <laughs> so I'm in shock. I mean, I just it, it's shocking. It is. Oh, my um, yeah, I would say uh, I'm, I'm glad that we're going over this because. <laughs> We can't take it for granted. Not everyone has seen all true. of these movies. True, so, true. So I, I'm, I just, it, it was perfect timing, that mm. text, when mm. I saw it. I was like, you were <laughs> saying, like, the wonder and, like, everybody knows. And it's like, no, not everyone. Damn. <laughs> not uh, everyone. Not everyone. But Damn. so this movie is an all-time great. You mm. can argue it is one of 
Spielberg's best movies, although like that's a hard. It's hard because he's one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. And so he's got runs like E.T. and Indiana Jones back to back and stuff like that. How stupid is that? Right. That's stupid. (laughs) Um, You can make an argument. Again, it's a tough one to make, but it's an argument. John Williams making this score. His best score, possibly, maybe. Journey to the Island is on repeat for me. It's I, I just it's, I put it's it on when I'm like I don't know, I don't know. I'll, I'll be just there washing dishes. Journey to the Island on. <laughs> yeah, um, we had a discussion about this on our episode of uh, episode two hundred. Movie Star Hall of Fame. That is correct. We had a discussion about John Williams mm-hmm. and whether this belonged in that initial class of Hall of Fame. So if you want to check out our full discussion on that, uh, go back to episode 200 on your podcast feed. Yeah. One last thing that I'll say, because there's lots of lines that you could throw out, like um, life finds a way and creation is an act of sheer will. Next time it'll be flawless. I mean, there's so many lines in here, but the one from Ellie Sattler, which is dinosaurs eat man, woman inherits the earth. I mean, perfect. Come on. It's wonderful. Subtly feminist. The movie is subtly feminist. And I actually, I just watched it today in preparation for this episode. And I made like another thought. I have another thought on this, the feminism of the movie. Yeah. And that Dr. Grant doesn't want children while Ellie does or is rather open to having children. She's open to it. So it's ironic that the male Jurassic Park operators from Hammond down to B.D. Wong's uh, Dr. Wu have taken the ability to have children away from all of the female dinosaurs. Hey, we're not saying. But we're saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is a groundbreaking movie. And it spawned a franchise. Yep. So, obviously, we could spend so much time. I could spend two, three hours just talking about Jurassic Park. We really could. We don't have the time to. No, we can't. We can't. So, (laughs) we have to unfortunately move on. Move on. And the reason why I say unfortunately is because I think, without really being a spoiler, that the franchise never reaches this peak again. No. So. We're pretty much going on a downward trend here, starting with <laughs> this next movie, which is The Lost World Jurassic Park. That is 97. the official title. That's the official title. Yep. So just four years later. We don't have Alan Grant. We don't have Ellie Sadler. No, we don't. We do, we do have, have Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, His character... They, they kind of morph him a little bit to be a little more action hero-y. This entire movie does feel like the symptoms of the sequel. Yes. So, I mean, let's talk about this. So Go ahead. I feel like the problem of this movie is that it just feels super lackluster. It's mm-hmm. missing the perfectly executed three-act structure of the original film. And all of the messaging that's in the first one is missing from this movie. Instead, it gets super preachy. It gets high and mighty. And the most pretentious asshole character, Ian Malcolm, they make him the Everman hero. And you can't help but dislike him a bit. Like, he's not a good father, not a good boyfriend. He's trying to fight Injun with nothing but a breached NDA. 
And he's got PTSD over dinosaurs. So how is he going to fight the dinosaurs? He was critical of Hammond when Hammond was a capitalist. And now he's critical of Hammond again because he's trying to be a naturalist without InGen knowing. So who can measure up to Ian Malcolm's standards? Like nobody. Like nobody. he's so self-righteous. Right. Uh, so that's that, like a main issue that I have with the movie. Yeah, it, it's not good. But I think my my bigger thing is, yes, no, the character is insufferable. But I just think that, again, it, it lacks the patience to guide the audience through some slower moments some thrills here and there no like they pump everything up yeah to try to satiate what they i guess they thought audiences wanted was more 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 yeah there's a so, really high body count in this movie which there really is feels like typical sequel fodder make it bigger more deaths more dinosaurs it removes all of this meaning and impact from the deaths especially so it gets away from asking questions of like, what are we doing? Mm. Are we doing something that's ethically right? You know, to we got to stop the dinosaurs. We're playing God. Like, how dare we? Right. What are the consequences of our actions? And yeah, it gets away from that. It gets away from that. Yeah. Yeah. It just focuses on, oh, we got to stop this company. They're bad. You know, Julianne Moore as the poor man's Laura Dern. In this movie. And I don't mean Laura Dern. I mean Ellie Sattler. Because the character. They try and like do a copy paste. But it's just a diluted version of the character. And it feels so scrubbed out. And like again very preachy. Right. Right. Lastly. I'll say that the first film had no discernible villain. No. Right. No it did not. You had kind of like wishy-washy characters, characters you didn't like so much, like Gennaro, who's like, we'll have a coupon day. Like, ooh. <laughs> you di- you're like, okay, you're a dick, but that doesn't make you that a That doesn't villain. make you the villain, yeah. right. Same with Hammond, who they like really did a 180 on his character from the book, but that's a conversation for a different day. In The Lost World, they make villains out of multiple characters. And to what end? It made the movie feel super cheap to me in comparison to the original, which had all right. this nuance. And like, you're asking yourself, like, am I the villain? Because I do want to see the dinosaurs. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of an indictment. This movie takes all of that out. Like it has random people doing actual, vi- like they're villains. Right. They're full on villains. Yeah. Yeah, so I yeah, I agree with you. It's it's not great. Now, would you say that there's there's some good in this movie? Um something that maybe you're like, you know what, this wasn't bad, a bad aspect, whether it's an I actor or I think the intro sequence, although it's not <laughs> I just talked about the other intro sequence, which is super good. But this one isn't bad, especially taking into account that this is the original opening to the Jurassic Park book. Mm. Yeah. Where the compies, the little dinosaurs are attacking Camilla Bell. <laughs> Camilla As a Bell. Child. That's a name. Yeah. That's a name I haven't I know. Really. I know. And I do like the quick transition from the screaming mother to a yawning Ian Malcolm, which is pure Hitchcock. Like that's straight Hitchcockian. <laughs> Those we transitions. Did an, yeah. We did an entire Hitchcock run. Check out our episodes on Hitchcock. We had a lot of fun with that. Now, 
I will say that I'm on the, still on the fence years later about Vince Vaughn being the wildlife slash journalist photographer. Okay. <laughs> Tell me why. Mostly because he's so, again, self-righteous okay. and you don't believe it. Like, it's Vince Vaughn. It's Vince Vaughn. It's Vince Vaughn. Like, I believe it when he's like, why were you in the, uh, why were you working with Greenpeace? And he's like, the women. Like, that's the most believable (laughs) line that Vince Vaughn does in Lost World. Is it because Vince Vaughn is always pretty much playing a version of himself? Yeah. (laughs) You nailed it. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I, I want to say, obviously, as as a fan of the first movie, you you want to get excited for that second movie, but then when it comes out, you you know it 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 falls so short of everything that came before it, you know. And it's relying a lot on like trying to tell you to feel scared, right? Which is not how you do it. Absolutely not. Show don't tell. And like, there's lines like. Where you're going is the only place in the world where the geese chase you. Because Vince Vaughn said, we're going on a wild goose chase. (laughs) (laughs) And Ian Malcolm fires back with that. Like, you don't need to tell us. (laughs) I know. It's, you know. Also, this is a big nitpick of mine. The animals, (laughs) the animals being fiercely territorial. So all the carnivores are located in the interior of the island. Makes absolutely no goddamn sense. That's a very nitpicky No thing. sense at all. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. You nailed it right on the head. That is uh, nitpicky. <laughs> Second nitpick. The introduction of Ian Malcolm's daughter, who was cut from her gymnastics team, so we now have Chekhov's gymnastics in the movie. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. I do. I w- so I don't really like the absentee father or the bad dad because he never keeps his promises part of the movie. I feel like they're trying to reach for that one. But what's within reach is Julianne Moore's character, his girlfriend, feels the well, the concept that Ian feels compelled to save her from the scary dinosaurs. But he isn't present to save her from mundane social settings where she feels like he isn't as cavalier. So she doesn't need saving here on the island, but because all help ends up breaking loose, Ian's machismo is proven needed, and I don't like that. So, like, she's a feminist icon within the movie. Right. And she still needs saving. Still needs Even uh, after yeah. she, like, tells him, like, I don't need saving. You can leave. I'm good. <laughs> I've been here. For, no, like, you're, you're what? right about that. Yeah, I, I, like, they strip away a lot of the stuff that made the first one so yes. iconic. Uh, the movie itself did make pretty decent bank. It, it made uh, $618 million worldwide, which in 1997 numbers, very good. So I understand why people or why studios were like, yeah, we got to make more of them. Because people went out and watched these movies a lot. Obviously not as much as the first one. The first one made over a billion dollars. Mm. Uh, worldwide yeah uh, but it's still enough to you know garner a sequel and that leads us into 2001 yeah turn of the century oh wait wait did you have okay. any favorite sequences from lost world at all not really 
Not really. Okay. I, I, I don't really have any sequences that really jump out to me. Though. The I'm only like, you know one what? is good. the don't go into the long grass. <laughs> 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 the raptors picking off the engine guys in the tall grass is the only relative positive scene that I liked because, um, you know, they're carving paths through the grass, too, which is kind of cool from overhead. Right. But I mean, the T-Rex loose in San Diego, comically bad sound effects and gratuitous sequences of the T-Rex eating people. The condition that the ship, the docks in, like it runs into the dock. Yeah. And the crew is all dead and like in pieces all over the ship. Makes no sense. Makes no sense because the T-Rex is still in the bay. Right. Contained. So why are there pieces within like where the navigation is? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you mean. Unless there was like a <laughs> raptor loose on the ship and like it's somewhere. Like they, they never don't, they, they don't, never mentioned that there was a raptor loose. It's so. weird. Yeah. I don't um, God. Okay. I think for me this one's more of the forgotten one. I actually remember more from part three than I do part two. Oh, okay. Surprise. Well, let's let's look at part part three. We're now in 01. And we have Sam Neill back on deck as Alan Correct. Grant. Yeah. They they had to back up that Brinks truck to get him to return. <laughs> William H. Macy has joined the movie along with Tia Leone. <laughs> yeah. Not a bad cast. I mean, not it's not cast. a bad cast. Laura Dern makes like a cameo. Yeah. She makes a quick cameo. Yeah. Back at like her home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, yeah it's She's not really back. Um. Right, talk to me about this movie. So like, I want to hear your thoughts. Everybody's going to know about, or everybody, or people who have seen the movie, are always <laughs> going to mention the raptor in the plane sequence, the where, nightmare sequence, the nightmare sequence Alan. where <laughs> Alan, you know, everybody mentions that, and yes, it, it's terrible. It's it's awful. unnerving. It's terrible. <laughs> but what I do like about this movie versus the Lost World. Is I do like we're back on the island. We're back on the island. I do like the the change of what the what the premise of the plot is. Instead of like we have to stop these dinosaurs or do we have to stop this company from doing it, the main plot is a rescue mission, mm-hmm. and I like that. I like you know that they're going into the jungle to try to rescue a kid, and there is terror and danger left and right. I, I really like that aspect of it. So I like that change because I don't really like getting into the minutia and details and politics of trying to stop a company from doing something. That's not really very interesting. Mm. But you put someone in a life or death situation where they need to do a rescue or they need to like, you know, something like yeah, that. Extraction. I'm in. I'm in. Mm. I'm in on that. So a lot of the scenes – play very well for me i watched it at a time i was in him was i in high school or, no i <laughs> 01? was oh one i was just about to enter high school okay uh, it was like the summer going into ninth grade and you know it, it caught me because i saw it in theaters i remember seeing it vividly in theaters mm. uh and i had a fun time you know just watching these characters narrowly escape every dangerous situation they would go through you know okay and okay. the movie kind of culminates in the in the uh pterodactyl like aviary p- aviary mm-hmm. and 
I remember thinking this is a really cool sequence. Okay, you know? so let's talk about this because the movie's kind of chugging along. You got a couple scares. You got some raptors. You you got some henchmen and that have died and right, brutal right, brutal right. ways. You get the introduction of the water, um, the spinosaurus. Is it? Yes, the spinosaurus. spinosaurus. Yeah. Which again, new new character. <laughs> and, <laughs> new character. And um, they have to get to the. Uh, well, where do they have to go? They have to go to. They the have to get beach? to the beach. Yeah, they have. Yeah, they have to get to the beach. Yes. Okay, so they're trying to get back to the beach to get off the island, and then you get this aviary sequence with the pterodactyls because they found Eric, and now the group is all together. Yeah, they're all together, and now they need to get out. This is terrifying. This whole sequence is terrifying. They're because they can like just pick them off. Well, the fact. Well, hold on. Like the reveal of the pterodactyls, which we haven't seen, and fun fact. Pterodactyls are not dinosaurs. They're flying reptiles, but whatever. They have Eric on the gang, the gangway, this like bridge that's cloaked in fog. So you can't see anything. You can't see anything. You can't see the other side. And it's almost like a recreation of uh, the impact tremors in the first Jurassic Park because the something falls or lands on the bridge and it shakes the... um, the bar rail, the handle yeah. rail. And Eric's like, is that you, mom? Like, he doesn't know if it's, you know, someone coming across again. And what comes out of the fog? A giant pterodactyl walking towards Eric. And it is frightening. Oh, yeah. Frightening. I love it. <laughs> Anyone with a fear of birds at all. Oh, my God. Must have had nightmares then they pick him up and they fly him over to like a giant nest yeah filled with bones and like tiny pterodactyls oh my gosh it's fantastic sequence really good it's like a shining beacon in this movie almost to me because i dislike the movie yeah i don't think it's a great movie but like it does have memorable sequences for me more than something from lost world Mm. Like, I have a hard time remembering Lost World, but this one I can actually, like, get my my hands around, my mind around mm, mm. watching it. I guess it, I saw it in a more formative time than I did Lost World. And so so that's what stuck with me. Um, I remember thinking that the movie was fun, but again, I always thought of, man, this is still not as good as the first one. No. And again, I would say it's that a common the, theme. my favorite like dramatic sequence in the movie, aside from like the action sequence of the aviator, the aviator, <laughs> the aviation. The aviary. Oh, my God. The aviator. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't see it. It's fine. You, you know it. what I'm talking about is the reveal that Billy stole the raptor eggs. That scene oh, is so perfect. Yes. And it feels like it doesn't belong in the movie. You have Billy saying, you have to believe me. This was a stupid decision, but I did it with the best intentions. And Alan Grant comes back with, with the best intentions. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. That's a good line. You know what, Billy? As far as I'm concerned, you're no better than the people that built this place. Which is such an insult. It really is. <laughs> Three movies deep, that's an insult. Yeah, you know, we know as an audience yeah. how bad it is. Yeah. But the fact that he like laid that on 
Yeah, Oof. that's that's pretty bad. I love that sequence, and I love. Yeah. I mean, I love that scene. Yes, that's a big insult. Now, I will say that this movie, as the movies have gotten worse and worse, <laughs> you know, with critics and with fans, um, also not so hot with box office. The movie made only, and I know it sounds kind of dumb to say, but only made three hundred and sixty-eight million dollars worldwide. Oh. So compare that to its predecessors. Lost World. Yeah, just Lost World alone, that's almost half less. Mm -hmm. And I think people were kind of like a little tired out because of the how far of a drop in quality it went. Yeah. So so I can understand why. And that's why it took so long for a new Jurassic World to kind of come out. It's a property that was just sitting there for almost 14 years and yeah. they revived it in 2015 they yeah. revived it with jurassic world yeah so we're kind of starting a new chapter in this franchise and this is where we have our new leading man that we talked about earlier yeah the Chris indominus Pratt. rex <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a good one sorry uh so we had the we have a new lead man, we have a new cast. I mean, they're still referencing stuff from the past. They don't really fully go, you know, like ignoring the past. But again, this is like new people, a new chapter for people for a new kid, a new generation. In a, in a you know, sense, they are building on the original site of Jurassic Park literally and figuratively. Yes, they are. You are right about that. So here in this in the new one 2015 the park is fully operational and they are bringing people in for like a preview almost you know these are exclusive people people in the know and so obviously chris pratt's character he is a raptor a caretaker like he can be one with these raptors he's trained them very well especially one in particular blue which everybody goes nuts for uh, and, and at the same time, you know, we have Bryce Dallas Howard's character. She is kind of like the stand in for like the corporate person. Like everything's She's the John fine. Hammond. Yeah. She's like a John simile. Hammond. In this. Exactly. Because you know? she's in all white. Yeah. That is starters, And she is representing that corporate side. Yeah. The corporate side of like, yeah, we're doing this, you know, for the money, but also because we can we can mm -hmm. do it. Uh, and much to the chagrin and to the many warnings of Chris Pratt's character, uh, which I could not tell you what that character's name right now is. Owen Grady. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Um, of course, they don't listen. Of course, havoc happens. We follow these two kids around. Those kids are related Those are to her, her nephews. nephews. Yeah. Yeah. So they we kind of trail them around sometimes throughout the movie as chaos is happening uh, because they decide to go bigger because again, it's like a sequel. It's kind of talking about itself in the movie in a way referencing itself like, Oh, they made a bigger, faster dinosaur, you know, yeah. the Indominus Rex. And they mix the T-Rex with Raptor DNA and some other DNA. Yeah. So not only 
is it really fast? Not only can it communicate like with the other animals, including raptors, but also like the DNA that they mixed in could also like camouflage itself into the environment that it's in, which just is spelling disaster. Once they said it could camouflage itself, it was like, oh, this is going to be bad for the people who have problem. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be a problem. Um, Again, (laughs) somewhat high body count. Uh, because people are just somewhat. picked off. Yeah, somewhat. Okay, so let's pause here because I feel like the appeal of this movie is that they did fully envision Jurassic Park or yeah, Jurassic World did at it. this point. They did it. Think concepts that are hinted at in the first movie, especially when they're having the Chilean sea bass, they have the those um, like PowerPoint presentations like going around yeah. the room. And so many of those things end up in Jurassic World. Yeah. They do it fully and, realized. Uh, fully realized, and you kind of start to believe in the vision that Hammond had, where it's like, let's create something real, so like something that people can touch and feel. And you see, like petting zoos for tiny, the tiny, you know, dinosaurs. And there's instead of pony rides, there's Triceratops rides, and it's a little bit Disneyfied in a way that you had never anticipated. In watching three movies. Right. Because there was always the concept of we're going to make a park out of it. Yeah. But it wasn't until it was actually seen on screen that you think, oh, they really went to theme park with it. Yeah. Like you have that water dinosaur, which I can't even recall the name of. But it's acting like a Shamu. People sitting in the splash zone and all that. (laughs) It's a serious. It's taken from real life and it feels like it could actually happen. Yeah. You know? It, it, yeah, because we can see it nowadays. We can I see I can see a Jurassic World with a fucking Margaritaville in it. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah, absolutely. You know, corporate sponsorships, you know, run amok. Like all the like this ride is sponsored by whatever, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We, yeah, I can see it. We see it now. We, we see, see it, it all the time. Um one thing I will say about this movie, we mentioned like the high body count there has been this clip that has gone around even recently uh from that movie where the pterodactyls get out and they start like, well it's picking- that like uh monstrosity because it's not a pterodactyl it's right. like a uh hybrid thing that they created right it is a hybrid but like they start like snatching people left and right yeah yeah but one in particular sequence is I guess the it was their handler, right? Their handler, babysitter, nanny, yeah, something. Not really like a villainous person or anything. Maybe like a little uptight or whatever. But the death that she gets in that movie, brutal, is like the one that you would give like to a top villain. Like yeah. the way she gets snatched up, you know, by like her, you know, clothes or by her back. She gets lifted up into the air. She starts getting like. Attacked from multiple angles by two different, like, you know, mutant pterodactyls. And then it's hovering over the water. And she falls into the water. And we know where this water is because we've seen it just before. And it's where that giant dinosaur shark thing is. And that shark comes up and swallows her whole. 
What did she do to I deserve that I death? Wouldn't, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. And there is a similar death in the second movie, Lost World, with Eddie, who single-handedly saved all of their lives when the two T-Rex parents came and like, wreaked havoc in the, in the trailer and stuff. Yeah. Eddie didn't deserve that. And neither did What's-Her-Face <laughs> in Jurassic World. <laughs> Uh, she did absolutely nothing wrong she gave a little tood that's all she did just a little attitude and no like she gets that was just the director i believe that was colin Colin trevorrow uh trevorrow why i don't Uh, know yeah he just like decided you know what i need to have like a gruesome death in this movie for no reason and who should we give it to well we don't really have a villain so let's just give it to an annoying character is what, pretty much what he said. And that's exactly what they did. And it's like, wow. That <laughs> Zara was the name of the character played by Katie Zara. McGrath. Uh, that is all you're known for, for that horrible death. Horrible. Um, now, the movie, though, does have like some quirky characters here and there. Like Jake Johnson's character, he's like the man in the chair. You know, trying to help out mm-hmm. Owen throughout the the ride. I guess there is a bit of a a villain with the uh, Masrani character. He is the one that well, kind of owns. I think he is a little more positive. He's a little more positive. He's yeah. an eccentric, like billionaire, and he he believes it could be good. Yeah, he's not here necessarily to make more money, although that's nice. But that is nice. I just think that he also gets a gruesome death without much like why like just for why the sake kill of him it. just for the sake of it that's what it feels <laughs> like just because we can i think it was like a helicopter death yeah it was pretty bad I um mean, so why? the movie itself does have all these like sequences that i think people still remember like people remember Owen riding the motorcycle and having the Raptors kind of like he's like leading the charge. I remember Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett, of course. The Jimmy Buffett. Kid. Don't forget the other Jimmy. Again, corporate synergy. Jimmy Fallon was like the tour guide on those That's little right. balls, right. gyro balls. Oh my god! Uh, don't forget that. Um, and I think one of the most I- iconic images, at least, or moments, and I don't mean that as in, like, it's necessarily a good iconic moment, just it's memorable. It's when they need something to stop the Indominus Rex. So they make the decision, the controversial decision, we need the T-Rex. <laughs> so they open up the gate and... With the Bryce flare. Dallas, yeah, with the Claire's flare. there with the flare. <laughs> and slowly you see, like, the eyes, and then you see the T-Rex coming out from its habitat... I thought it looked like a cool image. Again, it's followed immediately by Bryce Dallas Howard running in the high heels that everybody well, she's in was the high talking heels about. The entire movie. She's yeah, she in is. The heels. But it's Which, that okay. moment, though, is where people really latch onto the whole high heel thing. Because well, the she's thing like, is you full ca- okay, so we still, so, let's talk about it because we started the series with Jurassic Park, Ellie Sadler. She's in like hiking boots. Yeah. Tim's. Yeah. You know. Khaki shorts. The way you would be in the jungle. Her hair is up. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's very realistic. And just in her wardrobe alone, it feels like a the right step. You know, yeah. step in the right direction for female portrayals of leading women. <laughs> or portrayals of leading women. Anyway, 
Then you get Claire, who's dressed head to toe in white in a skirt, and yeah. she ends up with a slit in the skirt. Yep. Tank top. Yep. In heels. Yep. Hair down. Yes. I know. It, I mean, it's, it's a very. Um, it's annoying. Well, yeah, that is true. It is annoying to see that very uh, male uh, gazy view mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of sucks that that happens. And again, uh, she is she's a very good actress, Bryce Dallas Howard, and director, and director. Yes, shout out to director Howard. It, it runs in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, Nepotism, but actually, she's very talented. But she's actually very talented. <laughs> uh, again, though, neither one of them feel, and I mean her and Chris Pratt, neither one of them feel like. Very, very compelling characters. Oh, so let's talk about this. They're not compelling, but also they got, they got no chemistry. No chemistry. Zero. None. <laughs> Zero. Zero. They're supposed chemistry. to be a love. There's supposed to be a romantic interest there. Yeah, no. And it doesn't happen. Poop. Oof. I'm so, it's it's upsetting. It's a year. I can see the year. It's upsetting. Upset. It's upsetting. Like that should be, that should have been something that like would be like a through line in the story. Like, oh, I, I want to save her. What do you mean? No, I don't like her that way. And then, of course, you know he like really likes her. But no, it doesn't. It it's it's a little. Do they kiss in this movie? Because I feel like I got really upset about a kiss at some point. That was in the middle of a lot of carnage, and I can't remember if it was this movie or the next movie. I think it might be the next one. I was like livid, <laughs> livid with it because I'm like timing. There's people dying. You're on a time crunch. Like there's you gotta go. Why are you kissing? And then. That just it was so I love ill, you, I love ill how planned. Upset you're at, <laughs> about that part. It's That's ill the part planned. You're, you're plus, plus they have no chemistry. Well, yeah, that is true. <laughs> All right, so the movie kind of wraps up with the final battle between the Indominus versus the T Rex, Lady T Rex, uh, the Raptor, like the Raptors and uh, the T Rex against mm-hmm. the Indominus. And it finally takes the sh- shark, you know, dinosaur to help oh, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like they knock down the Indominus. The Indominus is about to get up. And then out of nowhere, right out of that fish tank, just like the shark, just like, ah, and like grabs it by the neck and drags <laughs> it into the water and kills it. I mean, satisfying I mean, to it's see. been fed on like great whites for all its life, so... Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it wanted a, some some a little. Meaty, it wanted something a little uh, heftier, so <laughs> and it and it got it. But also at the same time, something that we haven't mentioned is that in this movie we do get the return of B.D. Wong's character, Doctor Henry mm-hmm. Wu. Yeah, and we realize this motherfucker's a villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He like is sneaking <laughs> out samples to engine. Engine is still a company that exists in this in this world. Right. So there So he's also like the Dennis Nedry of it. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. But, you know, smarter and, you know, not as bumbling around. Like he actually gets the job done. Wayne Knight as Dennis Nedry. We never talked about it. No, we didn't. But I find him fascinating because he's secretly so manipulative. Oh yeah, for sure. He is. You're like, he's bumbling. I'm like, I don't think he's bumbling at all. 
I think it's intentional. Oh, you, and I, you and I very much are in disagreement there. <laughs> oh man. Well, I don't think he's like a suave villain, but no. No. you know, he is he is, you know, testy. <laughs> sure. Sure he is. Like a petulant child. <laughs> so this movie was a success. Dotson! We've got Dotson here. Yeah, that's a good one. That's actually funny. <laughs> Uh, so the movie was a success at the box office. The movie made over $1.6 billion worldwide. Oof. That's a big number. Oh, my that's gosh. A, that's a giant number. Uh, not including inflation. I could live inflation. off that. You know, <laughs> I think I could too. Yeah. Uh, not including inflation. It's the highest, you know, grossing movie in this franchise. But, of course, if you take inflation, the first one makes more. And that green lights the next movie wait was this the movie that i brought in chipotle yes it is yes you want to talk about it real quick (laughs) so i went so we went to a theater here in orlando that is oh my god there was no assigned seating when we went to see jurassic world in 2015 there was none no assigned seating so you were like we, you sent you went ahead to get seats. Right. And the reason why we ended up at the theater that we ended up at is because we tried Universal City Walk, but sold out. Sold completely out. Completely sold out. Yeah. And I think that like mystified you. You were like, why is it sold out? Because yeah. you couldn't believe the fact that peop- so many people would want to see the movie. Yeah. And then we ended <laughs> up finding seats at one in Kissimmee, which is about 15 miles away. So we end up going down there. It's close to my house anyway at the time. Uh, So it was good for me. Uh, But we end up there. And so the movie is starting like in an hour. But because of the fact that every showing is sold out, I'm like, I'm going to go in and get seats. Yeah. So I go in. I get seats. You said I'm going to get food. With my friend Chris because he was with us. He's with us. And then (laughs) you walk in to the theater with your with your bag. Because I had a purse. I stuck the Chipotle in a purse. And a then large you, bag. you pull out these bowls <laughs> from it Chipotle. Wasn't, it wasn't even like a burrito. No, 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 no. Or something you can a easily full handle. Out bowl. Full on bowl. <laughs> and then when you open that sucker up. <laughs> the smell. <laughs> just the wave of Chipotle <laughs> that just goes through that entire thing. <laughs> My God. I remember it so vividly. And the theater was packed. Packed. There was not an empty seat in there. No. And I, cara dura, opened my Chipotle and start eating it. That was wild. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Good Smuggled times. Chipotle. Good times. Good times. Good memory. All right. So, the yeah. The fact so, that there was no assigned seating is blowing my mind. I know. We that was just 2015. World. Yeah. Not that long ago. That wasn't that long ago. Yeah. So okay. that leads us into... For now, the last movie of the franchise, and that is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom in 2018. Uh, so this one is uh, basically when the island's dormant volcano begins to, you know, roar back to life. Yeah. Owen and Claire uh, have to mount a campaign to rescue the remaining dinosaurs from an extinction level event. That's only part of it because there's a That's like the major first of the movie. plot line. In this movie, that is very controversial to be. Yes, yes. Let's just talk about it. it okay. It's dealing with cloning, cloning, but not just cloning 
dinosaurs because that has been like happening, you know, because they're creating this stuff. But cloning people, people, the girl in the movie is a clone. She yes, is like Isabella, made from Isabella DNA. Sermon is Maisie Lockwood and she's a clone. Yeah, she's a clone. So like this movie is like diving into way more. They're now really the ethics, messing. The ethics of human cloning. Right. So I, I'm intrigued by the question that they try to bring, like how ethical is it to be making people? Obviously not ethical at all. But the movie is so bogged down in bad storytelling, bad storytelling and a lot of exposition. Yeah. There's a lot of talking introduction of more characters. Yep. And this, I want to say there was an auction to buy the dinosaurs for buying like these rare dinosaurs. Yes. You are right about that. Toby Jones was in there. Yes. Yeah, he was like an auctioneer. Yeah. Or he might have been one of the rich people. But either way. And they were trapped at some point. Well, yeah, they were. Because they set him loose, which again happened in Lost World where Vince Vaughn (laughs) sets all the dinosaurs loose after they've just corralled them on the island. So they set the dinosaurs loose at the end of the movie in a very... And then the movie ends very open-ended. So, like, what does this do with all of these dinosaurs now set loose on the mainland? Right. Yeah, pretty much. Like, we're kind of entering what Lost World wanted to do. With the T-Rex and the Lucin. Right. San Diego. Exactly. But on a much grander scale. That's where getting into... An actual world where they humans and dinosaurs have to exist together. You know, what does that do to our ecosystem? What does that do? Questions that happen at the uh, Chilean sea bass lunch. <laughs> exactly. Again, it all comes back to the first two movie, species separated by however many millions of years. What do we what can we expect? You know, exactly. So they they set these animals free, these dinosaurs and now we're at a point where there's like there was a US Senate hearing Dr. Ian Malcolm declares the beginning of a neo Jurassic age where humans and dinosaurs <laughs> must sorry. coexist. Uh yeah, I know it sounds so funny. I'm sorry. So the movie itself is a mess though. This one Fallen It's a mess. Kingdom, because yeah. you man, there is there is one like very distinct visual that I remember, though. The dinosaurs dying on the, yeah. the volcano. Yep. That was so just, sad. like, sad. So sad. They knew how to, like, pull. Because it was the, um, it was the, the long-necked, um. Oh, yeah, the Brachiosaurus. The Brachiosaurus. There. And they're, like, moaning and shit. Like, it's yeah. just, very, it's very emotional. Like, they knew, they knew exactly how to get us there. Yeah, it's a Toy moment. Story 3. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's a Toy Story 3 It's a segment. manipulative, emotional response. <laughs> Exactly. Manipulated emotional response. But yeah. So now the movie, I wish there was more to talk about that movie, except that it it really is a vehicle (laughs) for getting us to where we're going. Like everything, it takes too long, but it's leading us. I really don't care about this movie. It's so awful. I don't care about the details. 
I think it's just the big picture stuff that you're left with at the end of the day. Right. Which it's, is, there's human clones now. Human cloning. What the hell are we going to do about that? And then. And what the hell are we going to do about the dinosaurs on the loose? Right. I think these because are. Because life finds a way. Well, yes. <laughs> That is true. I think these are interesting questions. I think they are. That's what you said when you when we walked out of the theater on Fallen Kingdom. You were like, "I'm very interested to see like what the consequences of this are, right? And where they're where they're going to take it, right? What are the consequences? But more importantly, for this upcoming movie, is what is what is the villain or what is the negative aspect that is going to draw our heroes back into this story <laughs> like why are alan grant ellie ellie sadler right. and ian malcolm why, why are do you need back? the a-team again right why do you need them back why do you need to integrate them into the story is there some type of evil corporation like his engine like behind something who knows um well we knew we do know from the trailer there's another big type of t-rex type of dinosaur so we know that at least so they're creating more type of dinosaurs, I guess. But I'm still intrigued. I have a feeling. I have a feeling. This is just my personal thought. Is that I have a feeling that the first like third of the movie, I'm going to be very interested in what's happening in the coexisting of life and dinosaurs. And then I think I'm just going to be like lost. Not because I'm not understanding, but more like. I'm going to be kind of checked out on the rest of it, just like, oh, action and whatever, whatever. I think that's what what's going to happen for mm-hmm. me is that the movie is going to start us off in a place where we're seeing these interactions and we're we're going to be having questions and then the movie's not going to answer them. You know, that's what I have a feeling is going to happen. Obviously, my hope would be that it actually resolves in a fun way, supposedly a conclusion. But I don't know if we'll get that because we haven't really gotten a sense of like this mo- this franchise running smoothly. I think <laughs> let me let me ask you this. Yeah, there's a question. Maybe we can wrap up on this. Is the Jurassic franchise a bad franchise? Yeah. There's only one good spot. in No it, really. question. <laughs> it's one amazing all time movie. And then a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not good. It's not a good franchise. Oh, man. People can argue, oh, Jurassic World. Oh, it's like. Mm. Mm. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe for laundry day. <laughs> not for <laughs> not for anything day. else. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like you put it on the background. Right. You put it but on the background. The movie that actually plays, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's Jurassic Park. It's Jurassic Park. That is the one. That's the movie that you seek out. That's the one that you want people to see. Mm-hmm. That's you know? the No Skips album. <laughs> yeah, that's the No Skips album. That is the No Skips album. And we're going to have our thoughts next week on Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, next week, you'll be able to hear our thoughts on how they hopefully satisfyingly wrap up this series. We don't know. <laughs> Uh, but so far, the series ha- itself has been an ecological disaster. So I'm wondering how they'll uh, fix it if they can. If they can. So that is our kind of thoughts and general feelings on the franchise that is Jurassic. And 
Let us know your thoughts. Do you maybe like some of the other movies that we don't really like? I would love to hear your thoughts on those. Maybe you have an attachment to them. We would love to hear that. Uh, or, you know, you share our opinion that Jurassic Park can't be top, the first one. Uh, go ahead and let us know on our social media, at AlwaysCriticPod. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. So that's at AlwaysCriticPod. Uh, Jessica. If they want to follow us, where can they follow us? Just on any podcast platform, right? Yes, any podcast platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all of them. So give us a follow over there. Give us a subscribe and rate us five stars, please. Don't be petty. I know that we're a pretty good podcast, so (laughs) rate us five stars. Yes. And um, review us as well. Like We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show and like what you... What you loved about it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. If this is your first time listening, thank you for checking this out. You can subscribe, just like Jessica said, on your favorite podcast app. And finally, if you've done all of that, if you're a fan of the show, consider becoming a patron. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. It helps us create more content for you guys. Uh, so you can join us on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. If you want something a little more just helping us out, uh, you could go on Spotify and you can actually subscribe to the show. It's a monthly subscription. Just as a thank you for creating this content, you are helping us out and supporting us that way. We'd greatly appreciate it. Now, next week, I already said we have Jurassic World Dominion coming. We got some shows coming down the road, in, including we're going to be talking about some TV stuff in a couple yeah. of weeks. Pretty excited about that. Uh, diving into the waters, we're going to be talking about uh, Obi Wan Kenobi soon. Uh, mm-hmm. We're just going to wait till the show kind of wraps up with its sixth episode, and then we'll kind of look back to see how the show did. And we'll, we're also going to talk about season four of Stranger Things, but we're going to wait until we get to the proper conclusion of the season because the season's not over right now, uh, even though. They kind of like split it into two pretty much, but we're excited to talk about that. So make sure to subscribe so you can check out those episodes when they drop. All right. With that said, that has been our episode. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always the Critic podcast. (laughs) 